the free for all roundtable round two on round two let's say good morning to robert benzie queens park bureau chief at the toronto star max valiquette advertising and media guy sanira chaudhry is here employment lawyer at workley law nice to have you all good Tuesday morning, I actually had to look at the Chiron to make sure what day of the week it is. Um, let me start, actually, with the threat of another convoy protest. Ottawa police are getting ready for it. Robert Benzie, I'll start with you on this one. Of course, they have to get ready for it because they weren't ready for it the last time. But I have a feeling this ain't going to happen. Yeah, I agree, John. And I think that if we've learned anything from the last year, it's that Ottawa police were not prepared for that protest. Um, and remember, John... Uh, soon after the convoy protests in Ottawa, they, they tried to replicate that here in Toronto. And uh, the, the then Chief Reimer and Mayor Tory and Premier Ford all worked together to make sure that that didn't happen around Queen's Park. And it didn't. There, it was kind of a one day wonder at, at uh, right by the Royal Ontario Museum. And, and then they moved on. And I think that's that's probably what will happen with this. I think that the the convoy protest was a, it was a is a kind of a curio of a of a of a time that has passed because um, the pandemic COVID nineteen is not gone but the pandemic emergency is over and the restrictions are gone so I think I think that it, they may make a lot of bluster about having a big you know anniversary protest this week uh, this weekend in Ottawa but I'm not sure that it'll be amount to very much. Yeah, Max Valiquette, um, these people do still gather together on weekends. I don't know why they don't stay home and watch Netflix, uh, but not, <laughs> not in large numbers. And I just don't see everybody having the moxie or whatever, the, even the discipline to truck back into Ottawa again. Well, this is the problem with Netflix, John. Have they licensed all of the Burt Reynolds trucking movies from the 1970s? Do they even have Convoy? <laughs> Do these people have something to watch at home? Yeah, I mean, it would be a one-year anniversary of doing absolutely nothing. And as I say every time we talk about this, I just want to remind that when we say that these people were protesting COVID restrictions, they weren't exactly. So we just need to make sure that we consistently frame this as a bunch of people who showed up in Ottawa, honked for a few weeks, and eventually said that what they wanted was the overthrowing of our democratically elected government. It's a one-year anniversary. I guess, what do you get people for a one-year anniversary of stupidity? Is it paper? Is it, is it What is it exactly? I don't really know. A brain cell, I guess. A brain cell. Brain cells for everybody. Sunira? Well, John, you know, I think we've seen this Freedom Convoy 2.0 um, sort of sputtering along over the last few months, not really gaining a lot of traction. So I do wonder, are we really going to see a mass um uh, you know, anniversary, so first anniversary cele- celebration or re-connection um, of, of, of people who came out last year. I don't think so. But I also think in part this has to do with um, the, well, at least the proposed legislation, Bill 100, which is seeking to actually place some additional, you know, potential um um, penalties on protesters, especially if they use their car, if they, especially if they um, might be blocking uh, the border. So I do think protesters who are paying attention to the law, and I can only imagine that those um, the first year around would be, um, they're going to be much more careful about organizing this time around because I think the penalties are going to be that much larger. 
Let's move on to uh, Alexander Ovechkin. He is slated to come to Toronto to play against the Maple Leafs with the Washington Capitals. And at least one person who's heard from time to time as one of our pundits here on News Talk 1010 is organizing a petition because she wants the feds to deny the paperwork he would need to get in. Canada says that they have these sanctions against the people who support Putin. And it's sort of like we stop it when um, it's inconvenient or a little difficult for us to get like, you know, impose those sanctions on popular people. It's easier when it's a guy that is in finance or is in the hotel business. But it's when somebody who plays a sport that we love as Canadians does it. Um, suddenly it's a it's a sports player. We should leave him alone. And, you know, Max, it is arguable. He's a bit of a, an oligarch himself. And he's he's not just Russian. I mean, he's like best buds with Vladimir Putin. Should we keep him out? Yeah, I think we should. And I think this has been very well put already that when these things have a cost that we don't feel ourselves, it's very easy to demand that other people impose them. And then all of a sudden when they do, we start to think, well, maybe we shouldn't. The thing is, and I say this as the the marketing guy on the panel, Ovechkin has a kind of brand and that brand comes with a significant amount of influence. So if we bend the rules for him, we are sending a message but we shouldn't think that just because he's a hockey player, the damage isn't being done. If anything, for a particular group of people, he's more influential than a politician might be. What he ha- what he says goes even farther, has even greater influence. So I think it's it's actually really important that we are consistent here. And this is this is something that can't be dismissed simply because the guy's a hockey player. To an awful lot of people, being a hockey player means I pay more attention to what he has to say or what he has to say has more of an impact on me. We can't deny that. Yeah. Well, Sonera, it would definitely make a splash. I mean, all of these sanctions are pretty slow moving. Yeah, I you know, I disagree. I think I think sports is the one place that desperately needs to be apolitical. I mean, you, you see these types of petitions coming up. We saw it with Carey Price when he posted a photo of himself on Instagram with a rifle, a hunting rifle, I think, and that uh, caused a big stir. Um, you, you saw it with Djokovic not getting vaccinated in the world of tennis. I mean, of course, you see it from time to time, but Ovechkin is a mega superstar. Sure, does he have a platform? But if there's an issue with the position or the friendship or the relationship he has with Putin, that's for the NHL to work out. I don't know that we as Canada should be stepping in and taking a stand against Ovechkin and making, uh, you know, making him a poster child for what we won't accept in the world of sport. Although Robert Benzie, arguably, we are at war with Vladimir Putin and Russia because we're backstopping the Ukrainians. They're doing all the heavy lifting, but we're sending the armaments and the money. So this guy represents the the enemy. Um, yeah, I guess he does. I mean, good for Larissa, Larissa Waller for, for putting together this petition. But I agree with Sonera that this is something that the NHL should be dealing with. Uh, I'm not really sure. I mean, because the United States is doing far more for uh, for Ukraine than Canada is in terms of weapons and so on. Uh, and uh, Ovechkin plays in the U.S. Capitol. So his, you know, his his home arena is, you know, a few blocks from the White House. So I'm not really sure 
that Canada, it, it's Canada's place to impose a, a sort of visa restrictions on Ovechkin when he's, you know, working in the U.S. capital already. I just, I, I'm, I'm troubled by that. I mean, I understand, though, this, it's good that we're talking about this because I think anything that we do to talk about the plight of uh, Ukraine in, in this time of an illegal invasion from Russia is a good thing because it's, it's a democracy under siege and it's, it's good for Larissa for, uh, for bringing this forward. So we can press the pause button for a second on the debate just because uh, this just in. Somebody just handed me the list of the movies that are nominated. Good News for Toronto, Turning Red, which has Toronto roots, uh, was nominated Best Animated Film. Uh, but I guess also good news for movie fans and for, uh, you know, mainstream movies because a lot of big Ticket items are on the list. Very quickly, Top Gun Maverick, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Women Talking, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fableman's Tar, and uh, Triangle of Sadness. So maybe some of your favorite movies are on the list. Listen, let's uh, keep moving. And I wanted to ask you guys about the idea that um, in domestic violence cases, the courts are increasingly saying that rehabilitation is not really their preoccupation. And, um, you know, Max Valiquet, there are a whole bunch of rules of thumb for a judge to show the public's disgust with a crime, to rehabilitate, to just get somebody, getting somebody off the street, to setting an example, all of that stuff. But in this case, rehabilitation is not going to be a primary concern. I'm fine with that. I don't know about you. Well, I think it's uh, it's important. I mean, and again, I'm not a I'm I'm not a lawyer here, but it's to say that um, rehabilitation it can be a concern, but uh, making sure that the severity of the crime is represented by the punishment for it has to be of a primary concern. And so, uh, what's important to recognize is there were some minuscule sentences for, uh, um, I mean, we're talking about an example here where a woman's carotid artery was missed by literally a centimeter. Uh, she didn't die. I believe her, the baby she was carrying did. And we're yeah. talking like a sentence of something like seven years or something like that, right? So what's really important in all of this is, I, I think, that the message is incredibly clear and consistent about how severe we view crimes like this. And uh, taking a taking aside our larger questions about the nature of the whole system entirely, and you know whether 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 uh, this kind of a punishment really acts as a deterrent. The bottom line is these sentences compared to where they should be were light; they were small, and it sends a message of well, try to kill your girlfriend, but or your ex girlfriend rather, and uh, and don't make it. You're going away for seven years. I mean, it's not it's 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 simply not enough, and it simply doesn't represent how incredibly severe this is. Okay, we've been talking about some pretty dark stuff. I just wanted to uh, touch on a lifestyle topic on our way out the door. Um, we sent out an article this morning by Ivy Mack from the Toronto Star. Things that went out of style and nobody noticed. For example, uh, Sunir, I'll start with you. Uh, landlines, although I still have one because I've got the, got the greatest phone number ever. Uh, Waterbeds. And I think the one that made me laugh was typing class because I actually went to typing class in high school. I went to typing class, too, in grade nine, and I rocked that class. It was the <laughs> best class, and I'm sad that there isn't a typing class anymore. But I do, you know, I saw my nine-year-old nephew um, typing away uh, over the holidays, and I don't think children need that anymore, unfortunately. Well, Robert Benzie, you, yeah, you write for a living. Uh, I can say I went to typing class, but I'm a ferocious three-finger typist now. Uh, you know what, John? I am too. I actually took a typing class 
after university because I knew I wanted to go to grad school to, to, for journalism. And I went to Northern Secondary for this night class for typing, and I was terrible at it. And I'm still terrible at typing. And I, 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 I do hunt and peck two finger. Um, and it's made me an economical writer because I can't just spew out everything. So I have to be much more judicious in what I write, I think. At least I tell myself that. But it is pathetic that I don't know how to type. Um, but it's interesting that that, that, that that class has faded. I mean, lots of things, you know, cursive writing, lots of things aren't, aren't really fashionable anymore. And, and, and you know, it's too bad, I suppose. Uh, I, I, too, have a landline and I don't answer it. And I don't know why I still have it, John, but I pay for it. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's a great phone number and I can never share it on the air because I'd never hear the end of it. Uh, Max, we got like 30 seconds, but for an advertising marketing guy, the, the uh, end of flash mobs and uh, Ronald McDonald is kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, the things people won't miss, volume 37, right? I just want to say that when I was in uh, grade nine, the, the class was renamed keyboarding in an effort to make it seem more forward thinking about the future of computing <laughs> and what that would actually mean. So when I showed up and didn't learn how to uh, play the piano on day one, I was really disappointed. Thank you all. Sanira Chaudhry, Robert Benzie, and Max Valakat. It's time for the news. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.